Psych Effect. I'm your host, Dimitri Thick. I'm a psychiatrist. If you don't already know that, I'm sure you already know that if you're paying attention to this. This is episode three. And today I have uh, Dr. Maria Carol Stottbeck. Hi, Maria. Hi. Hi. Tell everyone who you are. I'm your wife. Yeah, no, I know, also... yeah. But I meant. I'm going to tell everyone who you are professionally. I'm a licensed psychologist, and I work mostly with adults um, with a variety of, of issues. Yeah, and you're also my wife. And I'm also your wife. Yes, yes. Okay, I was going to get to the wife part you know, later, but now that you've uh, let the cat out of the bag. Um, yes. Oh, I okay. think the hyphenated names... Yeah, I think they figured that out. They would have, yeah, they kind of probably would have figured that out, you know. But you know, some people are like, "Wow, you know, they have the same last name. Are they related? Is that his sister? No, could be. No, could I could have been, but no, no, no. Okay. So so what's up? Nothing. I'm good. You're good. I'm very proud of you for doing this. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This is uh, this has been fun so far. I actually, I've actually enjoyed it. Um, talking to Russ was fun. I like talking about aliens. Yeah. Um, this is going to be different. I, yeah, this this one's probably going to be different. You're yeah. not, you're not an aliens fan. No. No, you're not a you're not a horror movie fan either. So like, watching the movie Aliens is not going to be fun for you either. Nope. Um, we might actually talk about you know psychology. Um, you know, I've actually been asked why I would call it the psych effect if we're not actually talking about psychology. Okay. And the name has actually no meaning to me. I just called it that because I thought the name was cool. Okay. I mean, I, I, I mean, we I came remember, up with it. We came yeah, up with I was the name. Say, I remember being in the room. We came up with the name because it sounded cool, and I kind of stole that from that meeting. Right. Because we were probably going to actually make it about psychology at uh-huh. one point. But yeah. Well, yeah, because the idea was psych effect, effect, maybe even like a play on side effects for medication because you prescribe medication. Yeah, it was never going to be about that. Or psych effect, like the effect of, the like psychological the effect of, of things. things. And that's not what this is at all. Okay. No. No, it's more just me kind of talking mm-hmm. to people and people may or may not listen to it. And that that's fine because, you know, I like to talk sometimes. 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 And other times not. Right. But, you know, I guess that's that's why I'm doing this to kind of figure out whether or not I actually like to talk. Yeah. But you do like to talk. Yeah. And that that's why you're here to talk. Okay, so, we... <laughs> so, so, so what are we talking about? Tell, tell, tell everyone, um, well, you, you are a, psych, you're a PsyD psychologist, yep. not mm-hmm. a PhD psychologist. Right. Tell everyone what the difference is, because most people don't have any idea what the hell the difference is. So one is, a, the PsyD is a doctor of psychology, and the PhD is a doctor of philosophy. So usually the main difference is one is more research-based, and the other is more clinical-based, the society is more clinical-based, where you're doing more practicum, more hands-on. What does that mean, practicum? Like more, more therapy, more hands-on. But PhDs do therapy, it's, too. They do, but part of getting a PhD is you have to do a dissertation. 
a dissertation is an original research project where you're doing original research, you're presenting it to a committee, they're approving it, and... And you did not do that? No, I did a major paper that was more clinically focused. How is that different from a dissertation? Because it wasn't original research. I didn't do, I didn't have a hypothesis and test it out on subjects. Okay. So for instance, like a PhD, so let's say if you're in social psychology, because that was what I was interested in when I was an undergrad, and the PhDs were doing, you know, working with the professor on ongoing research projects, like whatever they're interested in, in the, in the realm of social psychology. So how do people react to, let's say, receiving bad medical news? Mm-hmm. And they would um, make up a situation with but this is what with you volunteers. Did? So I didn't do this, but in undergrad I helped. What did you do? I did not do original research. I did a study. I, I, I'm I did, asking what you did. I did basically did. a review of literature of how... It's actually funny because now recently I was looking at my CV and I was reading about it and I was like, wow, like I really didn't know anything about psychology back then. And this is what and yet you 12, <laughs> 12 plus years of experience okay. gives you. But basically what I was seeing in my practicums were, because I, I did a practicum at Florida Atlantic University, so I was working with a college population and I was seeing a lot of students presenting with um, with eating disorders and mood disorders. And my theory was that there was an inter- that like a parental mood disorder had an effect on a child's eating disorder, or is or even if the eating disorder is an actual extension of the mood disorder. But I didn't do a dissertation on it. So basically the direct directive study the direct study just is basically a, a huge literature review so it would be like the first part of a dissertation it's called directed study so it was a giant literature review about about eating disorders eating disorders and how they relate to mood disorders in parents so for instance if a parent has a mood disorder the way that they raise their child while having the mood disorder with you know, let's say the, the depression or the anxiety or mania and depression, if that somehow leads to a child having kind of that inconsistent parenting leads to a child to have eating disorders. And what did your literature review find out? I don't think there was any actual connection. I think really? that, okay. yeah. And now, like, as... I want to say as an adult, but I was I was an adult, but now I feel more <laughs> as an adult psychologist. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and, All right, interesting having, take on that. Okay, and having so much more experience and reading so much more, um, I don't think the literature supports that. That's where eating disorders. That's not where eating disorders come from. Come from, or, or that you know, for for a lot of people, and it depends on the type of eating disorder. It depends on the person. Um, there's so many other factors that kind of play a role. That's not but something. I think, but I think what I was actually trying to, in my mind, imagine 
that I couldn't quite explain because I just didn't have enough um, experience is I think that I saw eating disorders as a self-injurious behavior tied to mood disorders that you would see in something like borderline personality disorder or effects of trauma where you see kind of mood instability and that was an extension of it but that's not what they are they're self-contained disorder eating disorders right it's it's different it's a self-contained right We don't see a lot of eating disorders. And I do not, right, and I'm not, like, right, that was just my directed study, like, right. 12 or 13 years ago, I don't remember when, it was a long time ago, and I never followed with that, with that thread of How many eating disorders do you see? Because I don't see a lot of them. Um, I mean, and, uh, I, let me see, I've been a psychiatrist, well, I started residency in 2002, and I think... In my residency, I might have seen maybe two handfuls max of eating disorders in my entire residency, which is not a lot. And I was at a university tertiary hospital, so it's not that, and that's probably not very many. Right. And maybe more, maybe a little bit more, but I don't remember seeing very many. I mean, the only eating disorders that I saw during practicum, which is a before internship, was at the Student Counseling Center. And there were a few, but again, back then, I think it was mostly, like, it was really focused on either anorexia, so, you know, people that were underweight with restrictive eating patterns, or, binging and purging but binging and purging to a degree where the person would still look like they're either underweight or healthy weight so i think binging disorder without purging was not even like it was not talked about there was no emphasis on it at all now neither of us are um experts nope. on eating disorders um, but we get a lot of we get a lot of uh, interesting looks when we tell each other that we're married and we're both um, in the field um, you know mm-hmm. people um, people mistake us for being the same <laughs> even though we're not we're not exactly the same people think that we're sort of the same but we get a lot of interesting looks and they wonder like how is it that um, how do how do we function mm-hmm. um, to uh, psychiatrists and psychologists under the same roof? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And do we psychoanalyze? Each do we psychoanalyze other? each what other? Are conversations what are conversations like? Like, like what, what what do we fight about the most? As far as I mean, our our biggest fight is over psychological stuff. Is oh. the intelligence test? Mm-hmm. Um, that those are our biggest, like, I mean, like, we come to blows over that. I mean, <laughs> no. We're just kidding. We don't fight. We're not. We're not, we're not getting DCF involved here. <laughs> no, but we get. We have some big arguments about that because um, my view on that is um, that the 
current the current theory on intelligence is flawed. Yes, but your view is not, has nothing to do with your profession because well, it's be, well. It, I, in it, fairness, psychiatry is not the the like psychiatry is not the field that came up with the theory of intelligence. Exactly. That's why. But that doesn't mean that I can't have an opinion. No, you can have an opinion, <laughs> but what I'm saying is your opinion is completely a lay person's opinion. Wait, and that's not fair. And my opinion is that, that's coming not fair. from a professional. That that's not fair. Point of view. Why is it a lay person's opinion? Because you don't have any experience with it. You didn't do any coursework on well, it. Well, yes, but I've read. You've never. I've I've been. I, I wouldn't say I've been trained in the in the in the intelligence test, but I've. It's not like I've never been exposed to it. You know, we in in psychiatry we do get classes on psych testing. Granted, we're not trained on it in the same way you are. I'm going to fully. I'm going to fully uh, admit that in every way that, okay. that psychologists are much, much more experienced. But it's not like we've never been told what they are and what they mean. And I what know, they but what I'm saying is that your point of view and comes... And psychological theory. Your point of view comes more from just your w- worldview than shaped by your experience professionally. And mine is the opposite. I don't really care one way or the other. My point of view is mostly shaped from my experience and from my training. Well, the... again, I don't know that that's entirely fair because I'm not a lay person. An entirely lay person when it comes to that. I'm, I'm less of, I'm not, I'm not an entirely lay person when it comes to psychology. That's not fair. I have some training in it. Some training in it, right? Yes. Okay, so my my theory, my idea is that it doesn't test. It it doesn't completely test intelligence. I think it tests achievement. No, because there's separate tests that test achievement. Right, and... IQ tests ability. Potential. But isn't a potential achievement? No. And again, this is this is exactly potential the is what you can do. Achievement is what you do do. No, we're not gonna make that joke. This is a high class show. <laughs> this is this is a high class show. We're not gonna make that joke, even though we've already done it. But potential is what you could achieve. So how is it not? Yeah, the exactly. potential to which how is it not an achievement test then? Because potential is your capability. Capability to achieve. No, it's your capability in in general. But capability is one thing, but there's sometimes is something in the way of having it translate into achievement. doesn't make any sense to me because achievement to me is what you've done. That's what you've achieved, correct? So you don't need a test to tell you what you've achieved. You can just show no, what you've achieved. No, when we talk about achievement, we, we're talking about things that are learned like in school. Because first of all, when, when we're Exactly, ta- that's what I said. First of all, when we're talking about achievement, when we're talking about intelligence, most of this research and really it mostly pertains to children. Meaning that's the realm where it matters because that's the realm where 
grades matter, right? And how, how well you do on a test, how well you do in school, whether you pass a class. This is where we first diagnose disorders of, you know, ADHD, learning disabilities, Okay. Developmental disabilities. Okay. So, so what you're saying is adults can't have achievement tests? No, no, no. Of course they can. But it's more pertinent to just to children. So when we're talking about that, the achievement tests are basically asking reading about reading abilities, you know, written writing ability, mathematics. But isn't that exactly what an IQ test no. test potential? No. No, it, IQ tests test the way that you're able to think, the way that you're able to abstract. Okay, so that's my issue with it, is those those tests that you're saying are testing that ability have tests, have subtests in it that test knowledge because they're asking you questions like, you know, who is this guy and what did he do? And that's what you guys call crystallized mm. intelligence, right? Am I wrong about that? That's right. Okay, crystallized intelligence. Which is stuff you learned in school, and you don't need that information anymore because Google will give you that information. Yes, and and but that's not the, intelligence anymore. But, well, so those ability, are things that you memorize exactly. But you don't need to memorize stuff like this anymore. But you, maybe that in the four in the fifties or sixties was something you may needed to do because you didn't have Google then. But what's important now, and this is the big argument that we have, is it's not important to remember who Gandhi is now. What's important to know now is if you look up who Gandhi is on Google, mm-hmm. is to know whether or not Google is giving you the correct information. No. Okay, so let me explain to you. The verbal intelligence subtest of, let's say, an IQ measure, doesn't matter which one, but we both know like that. I'm mostly familiar with, <laughs> with the most popular one, which is the Weschler. Um It doesn't necessarily test the knowledge. It's testing your ability to remember that knowledge. And why is memory important in IQ? Because if you have something that disrupts memory or the memory processes, meaning you're either, you know, if you're not encoding correctly, auditorial, you know, like through listening or if you're not encoding correctly through through reading, or if you're not encoding at all for, for some reason, you're not able to remember, how can you be successful uh-huh. later on? How can you achieve, right? But, but memorizing, how can you encode is not an intelligence issue. It's a, it's a neurological issue. So people that don't but, encode have learning issues, wrong, yeah, have dementia, have the traumatic injuries. Yes, but Those it's aren't only, intelligence but it's issues. Only one part, it's only one-fourth okay, so of why, an entire... But, but this is my point about this whole issue is that the theory is, is outdated. It needs to be revised. That, that, that subtest doesn't belong in that test anymore. It can be removed and substituted with something else. That memory is, is not an intelligence issue anymore. Problem solving is an issue. It is again, like what I'm saying is, you don't need to know who Gandhi is. Yes, you need but, to know whether or not what you're yes, learning you're, about you're, him is so, correct. You need to be able to, in order to function well at a job, especially a higher level job, even not even a higher level, any job, you need to be able to remember. Yes, what, but is like, that intelligence? Yes. Why is that intelligence as opposed because to some is. type of what just... else would you call it? 
it just it's a functional ability. It doesn't have to be part of intelligence. Memory doesn't have to be intelligence. It's an ability. It's a functional ability. I agree that it's, that it's a it it's it's necessary to be able to remember something. You know, if your boss tells you to do something, you or need to remember to do it. Not even if your boss tells you to do it, but if that if this but is if you part can't of the steps of your job to do it. But if you can't do it because you can't remember it, that's a that's a functional problem. Your brain isn't functioning. That doesn't mean you're stupid. That means your brain isn't working, right? That doesn't mean you have low intelligence. Right. So that test but doesn't belong need, there. But we need to know, but that's the whole point. We need, that it's part of a neurological measure because IQ is a neurological measure also because we need to know if that part is working. But then why call but, it an intelligence quotient? Call it something else. Because, call it a neurological quotient. It's I not intelligence. Care. I don't care what you call it. What, oh, but... What, what would you call it? Because, but you're making my point no, for me. No, because then. you're getting stuck in the I don't think it weeds. measures intelligence. You're, you're, you're getting stuck in the weeds because you're not listen, You're not understanding the whole point. The I, whole, the whole I agree point with you. of giving these measures is to help people function. Because who the hell cares about so-and-so's intelligence? Are you serious right now? These, the these tests reason, are used to... to put people into special classes that separate them from other people because they're smarter. These, these, these tests are used to give people into, into special clubs because they're smarter than everyone. I'm using air quotes here, by the way. You can't see me. Uh, because they're smarter than other people. You know, they're used, they're, they go into special clubs because their number is in, is in the one percent or the top three percentile above other people. These numbers matter. And, and if you call them an intelligence quotient, that word intelligence matters. Words matter. So if it's not an intelligence quotient, it's a neurological functional but, but test, neurological, then call it But that. neurological is intelligence. Intelligence no, is neurological. No, it's not. That's, intelligence is neurological, but if you're not testing intelligence and you're testing a neurological thing, then call it that. Because words matter, especially in our field where we're the arbiters of, we're the arbiters of reality. Do you know what I mean? Like psychiatrists and psychologists, I don't know that, I don't, we're, we're sort of the arbiters of reality. Like our book, the, the DSM, which is published by my APA, just I think because that's the ones that have always published it, basically outlines the definitions of reality. And I don't know, I don't know if the APA would agree on that, but essentially that's what it does because it defines psychosis. And my point of this is not to get off on a tangent of what the definition of psychosis is, although if you want to, we can get off on that tangent because <laughs> that's going to take us down a real, real dark rabbit hole of things. But my point is that words matter. So if, if psychologists call it an intelligence test, people are going to see it as an intelligence test. Now, psychologists who are evaluating it in a, in, a, in a clinical setting may see it as a functional test, a neurological test, because they are clinicians. You know, they may see it as in, the same, in the same vein as an MRI, for instance. Okay. Where they see it as an MRI for psychologists okay, and but, see it as an MRI, but they call it intelligence. 
Other people are not going to get that. So why don't they change the name then and call it a neurological quotient? What is, why and, do you and, care? Why do I personally care? Or yeah. why do I think it... Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> these kinds of things matter? change society. And I, and I think... I think these are so these are sociological questions that really do matter because people it changes the dynamic of what these things mean to people because now all of a sudden uh, societies they may not they may not they may not exist like the 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 number changes meaning so that number that that's given for this test doesn't mean what people think it means anymore so that that 130 or 135 or whatever that cutoff is for the the highest percentile of intelligent no longer means intelligent anymore. It means some functional level of 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 goodness. No, because you're, you're at a higher functional no, level. No, because there's also parts of it that are nonverbal that are completely. Okay. But again, they, it's a it's a not, it's a neurological you know, functional. Of course, it's yeah, it's all. But it's not intelligence, right? So well, it depends on what you consider intelligence it, to be. Exactly my point. This is what we're discussing: is that I don't think it, it it's a neurological it's a neurological test. It's not an intelligence okay, test. How would you give an intelligence test? I have no idea. I have to oh. sit and consider it. I mean, okay. like, I to me, intelligence is problem solving, and it's not. Again, like I said, it's not that you know who. Well, there is problem solving on it. it. It's not. It, but it's only a, it's solving. a very small portion of it. It's a small portion. Of it's it. it's not for me. It's not that you know who a, a historical figure is. It's that if you're given information about this historical figure, that you'd be able to, that you that you are capable of determining whether that information that you are given is correct in some way, and that's important because that's exactly what's happening right now. And this is the rabbit hole we're going to end up going down. But, but this is the fake news thing right now, right? So, you know, everybody's, everybody's all, all, all up in arms on fake news, right? How do you know it's fake news? Well, you would think that someone with an intelligence quotient of 135 would be able to tell fake news. But there are some really smart people that can't do that. They get caught up in it. So tell me exactly how someone with an IQ of 135 or 130, scientists, um, you, you know, people that are working on on you know on, on things that you would think, and I'm not going to single anyone out, but people that you would think, you know, in fields like like medicine and physics and and in and, and fields that you would think would be able to tell the difference are not able to tell the difference. You know, how is that possible when you have this, this level of, of quote-unquote intelligence? And the, and the truth is, is because it doesn't test that. It doesn't. It doesn't do that. It doesn't test the ability to solve those kinds of problems because it doesn't do that. And that's why it's not an intelligence test. Yeah, but is it... I don't, I don't know. Ah, ah, <laughs> acknowledgement. <laughs> acknowledgement. Because, because the, 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 the reality is it's, 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 you know, when I was in college, um, many, 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 many ages ago. <laughs> don't close your eyes at me. You know it's true. Uh, <laughs> I had a, God, who was he? He was, a, he was one of my science teachers. I think he was, 
he was a lab teacher actually. He might have been, he was my chemistry lab teacher, biochem, I don't remember, but he was one of my science lab teachers. And he was one of these like, kind of like, he was, he was, he was, he was a very smart science teacher, but he wasn't like one of these like, you know, like super like book guy. He was more like a hippie dude, um, like a surfer dude guy. He was really cool, which is weird because you're not going to find those kind of guys in Hartford. But <laughs> but that's the kind of guy he was. And I remember him saying to me, and it stuck with me forever because I was always into like memorizing the book because I could never remember anything. So to me, that's one of my things that I can't remember anything. So to me, the only way that I could pass a test is I sat there and I, I literally copied the book by hand. I would just open the book and I would just copy it word for word and draw it out. And that's how I remember things for tests. And I remember telling him that and he's like, look, it's not what you can remember. It's whether or not you can look it up uh, when you're given a piece of information and you can find out what you're given is true. If you can look it up and you know where to find that information. And I've, it's always stuck with me. So it's like, you know, if you're asked a question, and you don't know the answer, but you can say, hang on a second, let me go find it. Uh-huh. That's more important than being able to quickly give an answer within five seconds. And that's what people think is intelligent. Like if, if you're asked a question and you can answer it in five seconds, people think that's smart. But if you're asked a question, you gotta say, hang on a second, let me go look it up. People are like, oh, look at you. You don't know the answer. You gotta go look it up. But why is that wrong? Why is that not smart? You have to go look something up. Why does that make you not smart that you can't give a quip? Because the guy that's answering it in five seconds may be wrong. Right, exactly. And, and But you don't know the difference whether or not that guy's wrong or not. And, and what's smart is... Well, you, you, you should be, you, you you should be able to you. figure that out. Yeah. And what makes someone smart is the, the, the understanding is... To be able okay, to understand then, whether or not what your, that answer then, is right or wrong. in your example, IQ, like you can't tell either way whether that, the, the person is able to do that or not. But being smart should be the ability to figure out whether or not either answer is correct. Do you know what I mean? Like if I had to, if I had to go look it up, in theory, I should be able to look up the correct answer. Now, I may not. I may go to like some crazy website like, you know. Infowars or something like that that doesn't give correct answers, you know, ninety percent of the time, and you know the ten percent they get lucky. But, um, but I may give you that answer from them, and you may take that and be like, okay, or you may take that and go f- be able to figure out whether or not what I give you is correct. And what I'm saying is, being able to figure out what you're given is right is 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 a bigger marker of intelligence than just knowing it than just being able to like spout off information right but when someone with certain things you either have a right or a wrong answer with certain things because are we talking about opinions or are we talking about Answers. No, you're right. right. There's right or wrong right? answers. Because if, if I'm asking you, if I'm asking you to do a very complex mathematical equation in your head, the person that's able to do it quickly and correctly, wouldn't you say that person 
is smarter yeah, than, than someone that either can't do it at all or takes yeah, 10 I would. times the length yeah. and, to get and, to the correct And that answer. is in the intelligence right. sense. I'm going to be fair about that. Right. That is actually in it. There's a there's timed blocks and things like that. Of course. And that's I, the process of <clears throat> figuring things out. But why is memory important in that? Because you need to remember what the hell your algebra teacher or, or you know taught you like you know you know what i mean like to be able to get that to be able to recall that information that you learned about that mathematical equation that's where that's where it's coming in but again is that intelligence and then, and then being able to manipulate it but is that intelligence or is that function but it's but it's all because it's someone both. with a learning disability can't do that but are they low IQ not necessarily okay so that's what i'm saying is that's not necessarily intelligence. Right, and that's, that why, we a functional but that's why we test intelligence in childhood. Because usually we're seeing a problem on the achievement end. But shouldn't we separate those two things then? Shouldn't we do the, the processing thing like the what we were talking what you just mentioned, the ability to answer a factual thing quickly and correctly that has an absolute factual answer mm-hmm. that, that you know doesn't need to be looked up. Mm-hmm. You know, two plus two is four, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But more complex. Mm-hmm. Test that as intelligence. That's it's part of it. And well, and and leave the memory part as a neurological, as a separate. Yes, neurological but don't you test. understand that you need the memory to know that two plus two is four? But then why is that part because of the number? What? Why is that? At, why is that used as part of the the full scale number? Shouldn't that be left out of the full... Because that's used as part of the full-scale number, yeah. right? But shouldn't that be left out of the full-scale number then? Why? Because it's not intelligence. It's a functional part. Now, I agree it should be done because it's a functional thing, but maybe it shouldn't be in the, the okay. full-scale number. You can separate it. All right, we solved the problem then. You can separate it if you, if you want, and you can just have... But it's a, not. ...a neurological memory functioning... But, but I mean, and that's why when, when I'm testing people, I like to look at all of the four um, indices separately and not just the full picture because then you get to see strengths, weaknesses, or if someone's abilities are uniformly developed, if they're not. So it, it, gives, you, it gives you more information. And again, I, you know, when I look at it, I don't, care about the number because I'm always looking at the referral question. What's the referral question? Is this person quote unquote gifted? Is this person, um, you know, do they have some sort of disability? Okay. And and for that, we need other tests, obviously, because the IQ just kind of gives a baseline of, you know, of your capability. Okay. But I mean, yeah, there, there could be different different things. I mean, there's also, right, the, the intelligence of, um, so remember, I mean, back, back to giftedness. Now it's, well, you know my opinions about, about giftedness, but in, in children, but um, back in the day, you know, it was gifted, it was gifted and talented, right? So it's not only your IQ and, and your abilities, but it's also what talents do you have? Are you artistic? Do you have a musical talent? You know, what are you able to do that's, that's really different or 
special or talented from from everyone else. So just like a 130 IQ is, you know, in a small percentile of people, a talent for art, for music, for dance is also is also part of that because you're expressing that intelligence differently, right? You're, but, but is that going to be tested in a... It used to be. So, so why did it get so stopped? It's, well, it's, it, technically it still is, but now people have gotten so lazy that they're just... I don't know if people have gotten so lazy or people are so, are so talentless, but <laughs> like so few people actually have talent now. But most, because I think if you actually tested people on, on talent, you would have a lot less children in these gifted classes. Because, right, because somehow we're getting these high IQ scores in many more people than I think is representative of the population. And that's for... Well, there should know, be a bell for, curve on these things, right? For a host right? of, of reasons. And there's a bell curve on these things, right? There's, there shouldn't be this many... There shouldn't be this many high IQ... There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. But no one's on looking it. into it. No one cares. Like, the school districts don't care. The schools don't care. Well, a lot of the tests are being done privately. Yes. Right? Yes. And they're getting paid for. Of course. Right. Okay. Of course. And not enough people are getting assessed for their talents. Right? For their, for their musicality, for their artistic ability, for their ability to, to think in, in a different way. Right? For IQ that's expressed in non-traditional ways. How do you test for that? How would you even test for that? You just well, usually like a, like a talent. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. A talent is like okay, you, my you know you my, get my, someone my, in front of a piano, right? Exactly. You put someone on a dance floor, <laughs> right? And you just, yeah, right. Well, there should be there should be more classes for that too. You know, to to get those people that have the the talent for that, mm-hmm. but there aren't. Right, because the thing is, if if you think about it, a person that is able, I mean. Even like, you know, giftedness in sports. I mean, giftedness in any physical arena it still puts you at the top 1%, 2% of the population because most mm-hmm. of us do not sing like, I don't know, Whitney Houston, right? Most of us like, do not play basketball. Yeah, I, like... I think only Whitney Houston sings like Whitney Houston. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? With, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, with that level. With that level of, of talent. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, right. And, and the range. And, and all the like, range, yeah. Do, so that's also a talent. That's also a gift. And I think that also has to be explored in education. Right? No. And it's true. not right no. now. For, right. For, for the most part. I mean, I, I think there are schools that are... Well, they're talent like schools, right, but, talent they're, schools but there's not enough of them. School. Exactly. There's not enough of them. And not like at an early age. A lot of them start like in high school. Right? They don't start in the elementary school years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we've gotten further on this intelligence thing than I think we've gotten in like, like seven months. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Well, All right. So we agree. Yeah. No, we don't well, agree. No, we, no, we, we still don't agree. You know, I think that we. I mean, I, I agree that being able to look at a, a, something and be abstract about it or question it or know how to get a valid answer 
Like, how, you know, well, well, that, I get, I get problem solving. Well, I get one of the things, one of the reasons that the, that the memory part is in there, right, is to differentiate ADHD, isn't it? Is because you do an, you do an ADHD test, you do an ADHD battery by doing an IQ test, and you, and you, you do other it. measures. Mm-hmm. And the difference between some of the subscales on an, on an IQ and the scales on these other tests can differentiate ADHD, right? And the memory is well, one even, of those things, even right? With, right? Even within the IQ measure. Within the IQ measure itself, exactly. There's going to be some scales... Like? You would do probably... Well, you would probably do better on... Like the, the process... The, um, the perceptual reasoning. Again, the, the majority of people, because... Like sixty-eight percent of the population is av- you know, is, is within one standard deviation of, of average. The scores are 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 average, but you see a bigger statistical difference between, let's say, the verbal and the perceptual reasoning, and then processing and memory, you know, working memory. So those would be lower, but not always necessarily. But usually, okay. and then you would give other measures of attention that are outside of the IQ. They're outside test. of the IQ, divided attention. But again, where that, ha- that where you have to skip. That that shows that the IQ test is more of a functional test, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so. But I don't disagree that IQ is about function. <laughs> okay. I am going to lead a crusade to rename the IQ test. Okay. The Weschler. I don't even know what the A stands for. Adult. Ad, uh, the Weschler Adult Neurological Scale. Scale. Okay. And then. So the, the WANs instead the, of the WAYS. The WANs. The WANs. Which probably is going to need revising also. Well. well and, and remember, like every every time that every time that the test gets a new version. It's harder to get. So there's something called I think it's called the Flynn effect. I hope it's called the Flynn effect. I have to look it up. Which basically states that our IQ as as a society keeps going up. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Are we sure about that? <laughs> because I've uh, I've got some because people they, I'd like to introduce you I know. to. <laughs> but they keep they keep readjusting it for the Flynn effect. I think this this what are we on five on the waist? Four, four, but the five is coming out. It's being, yeah, it's being I, tested right I now. Think, I think the five is going to be the first one where the, uh, the cutoff for... <laughs> where it went down. Where the cutoff for the, for the upper standard deviation no, 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 is going to be the, lower. No, the cutoff doesn't change. The, the, you know, they play around with the statistics, so it's harder to get to Oh, the, okay. Well, I think it's no, going to be easier everything, to get to Everything stays... The numbers stay the same. The standard deviations and, and the average stays the same, 100, but it's, it's harder to get to 100. Oh, I see. What, what, what I'm saying, saying is because okay. in gen, because overall our, our the, the population, I, the population is, go is smarter. I see. Which well. completely, I mean, that's that's how it should be. That yeah, that's is, how it should be. That is exactly but in line I don't with, with, that with, probably, evo- with evolution because but, we we do keep, you know, our morality is getting better because if you're that's true because if you compare it to what humans did 200, 300 years ago, I mean. I feel like our children are going to look at us and be like, oh my God, they would do that? Like, they did that? 
they used to treat people like that. This this is how they behave. Like that that you know, just like how sometimes we look at our parents. And that's and that's morality, right? And that right. always right morality always does evolves. evolve. Because, but, uh, you know, our humane treatment of other people, of animals, of just living things in general, of the environment, it's, it goes up. Well, is that true, though? I mean, if you, look at, if you look at the way we treated animals, what is it, 2020? If we look, if people in 1930 looked at the way we treated animals today with factory farming and... Mm-hmm. Would they think yes. that we treat so, animals? Right. So, so, would they think that we treat animals better than than we do than they did? I don't think they would. And you know, technology if, if, and if, yeah, if that's the, if the young if the young population of the nineteen forties looked at us now, would they think that we're morally superior than to them? I don't think they would either. And I have this new lifestyle of reading books now. Oh, God. <laughs> Instead of watching TV that I'm very proud of. And uh, this new book that I've been reading about H.H. Um, H. Holmes or Herman Mudgett. That's what his first okay. name was. Okay. He was a serial killer in Chicago in the late 1800s. And a lot of the stuff that's going on now was going on then. There was a, an economic collapse um, there was uh, wealth disparity probably I don't know they didn't really mention it but it seemed to be you know to the degree that it was now although I'd have to look it up but the way it was written it seemed to be I think the, the, the purpose of the way it was written was to, to compare it to today um, unemployment um protests in the streets not for um you know uh, racial protests for for um anti-racism protests but it was for workers uh-huh. for workers rights um you know, fake news was one of the things because uh they mentioned that the the chicago tribune was uh writing that the protests were riots when they weren't uh-huh. So a lot of the stuff that was going on then right. is still going on now. Right, but, but you know, you, you mentioned so. the fake news, but that's... Murder? It's... Serial killers? No, no, no. <laughs> so serial but what killers. I, I want to say is, you know, like we've discussed, and, and you know how I feel about this, that there's certain industries that cannot be or should not be or could not be run by corporations for profit because it always le- because when, cor- when a corporation and for profit always leads to what it always leads to taking advantage of someone else right because yeah, no it, because, I'm not going to disagree I'm, I'm letting you I'm giving you okay. the I'm giving you a long leash on this one I'm going to let I'm going to let you go I'm gonna let you go. It usually leads to because to, this is the part I like when you when you go on these rants. <laughs> I like this. This I like this. I don't. I'm not disagreeing with any of this so far. I'll let you know when I disagree. Okay. Because it usually leads lead, leads to corruption, and there's certain industries. Usually. Yeah, and there's certain usually industries. Usually or always. 
I'm just gonna say usually because <laughs> I, I, I don't like extremes. Okay. okay. Right. Um, and there's certain industries where, you know, our tolerance for corruption should be less than for other industries, and because that corruption leads to exploitation of people, animals, animals, things, people, whatever. And the animals. Okay, and those industries are, in my opinion, medicine. The judicial system, including, you know, prisons and everything to do with our judicial system and media. Those are the three. Well, you can't, you can't, you can't have media be state run, though. You cannot have media be state run. I'm not saying. Because that happens in, like, countries like North Korea and I don't mean state, the countries I don't, that we I came mean, from. I don't mean state run, but I mean not-for-profit. Meaning you need to... So it's fine. You can have a new state. You you can have a station called, I don't know... National Public Radio? No. You can have a new station called... Whatever the news network is. Let's say, you know, Fox or CNN. Whatever. But you don't have to call it news. Because if it's just a bunch of people talking, like you and I, about our opinions, right now what we're doing is not news. The problem is, is that news networks are showing what we're doing right now and calling it news. And this is not news. News is facts. This is what happened. It should not be glamorized. It should not be interesting. It could be interesting, but it doesn't have to. It should, it should just be. So you're saying then, that, that that music that I put at the beginning of this show is not is not... Something that I should have put at the beginning of the show. Why? Because that's glamorized. I thought that was no. a nice piece of music. Yes, of course. Because we're not news. <laughs> oh, now I'm sad. No, I understand. No, no, keep going. I understand what you mean. And when, I agree with you. That it's not news. When there's a bunch of people, there are a bunch of people spewing out their talking opinion. Talking about their opinion. That's wonderful. That's yes, not news. that should. It, it absolutely should be on TV and those people should make money and people should be listening to them. I have no problem with it. But don't call it news. Call it entertainment, opinions, podcasts, show. I don't care. Don't call it news. So they should rename it to like the cable entertainment network? Whatever. Or the Fox Entertainment Network? Whatever. Or just Fox Network. And well, they now- already have that. Okay, That's another, what another family one. guy's on. Okay, another one, you know. <laughs> and on the news, you, you should have journalists. Well, reporting th- news. they're supposed to be journalists on like Fox and CNN and MSNBC. Okay. And Those people know, that give their opinions. I don't care about their opinion. Because well, I can make up my own opinion. I would, I would, I would, I would, the, the people that uh, take the other side of that say that editorials have been part of newspapers for hundreds of years. Okay, so maybe they should be, I don't know, maybe they should be called editorials because I think when people used to read newspapers, we had a very um, strong understanding of what the news were was and what editorials were, and that they were different. That one was fact and one was opinion. And now it's all, you know, mushed up together and I think people that either don't know how to parse that out or don't want to parse that out or don't... 
you know, well, don't, well, don't like to parse well, that out. You're take making, it all of it. Take it all in as news, yeah. and then they form their opinion. Well, you're making based my point it. for me when I said that uh, words matter. When I said that if you call something an intelligence test, people are going to take that for what literally. And I don't want to get back to that again, but I'm just saying that words matter, right? Okay. So if you call it news, people are going to say right. that it's news, mm-hmm. right? So when they say, when, uh, when I get asked, for instance, what, what news do you watch? They're not asking me what news, they're not asking me, like, really what news I watch. They're asking me what opinion channel I'm asking. I yes. get my, they're asking me what opinion channel right. I get my opinions from. Right. And when I say to them, I don't watch, I don't watch any network, they kind of look at me and like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> Where do you get your news from? <laughs> and, and I tell them very flatly, I say, well, you're not asking me where I'm getting my news from. You're asking me where I get my opinion from. And I get my opinion from myself. And I get a lot of weird stares weird, weird stares from that because people aren't used to getting that answer. But you're right. And news is one of those things that when it's compromised by money is... And I think it used to be. No, it used to be not that way. Because I think, I'm trying to think, because I think we watch, we even watch the show of like when... Um, CNN used to C- be very boring. Right, but then CNN started cover, started being like a 24-hour well, network. CNN was always a 24-hour network, but it still was very was boring. It? When I was a kid, CNN was just a guy at a table yeah. speaking. And they had they had a few of those, like, like what I call PTI shows. PTI is my favorite show. Um, it was just two guys screaming at each other about sports. Um, but PTI was not the first two guys screaming at each other across the table. It was Crossfire. CNN used to have Crossfire, and it was a Democrat and a Republican sitting at a table talking about politics. That was the original, I believe that that was the original Right, but that's also not Opinion news. show. Right, right, that's right. But it wasn't news, and right. it was very clear. clear that it was not a news show. It was, it was two guys with opposite views sitting at a table talking about the news of the day. Right. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the news. Crossfire was very clearly delineated. It wasn't... I, I don't have a huge memory of it, but, like, I remember there was a very dark background, and the when it started, it said Crossfire, and it didn't say, like, you know, they didn't they didn't come on with, like, it wasn't a guy at a table. It didn't look like news. It, it was two people sitting, like, a little coffee table across from each other. It looks like two people talking. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the opinion shows now look like a guy sitting in front of a table with the graphic next to him. It looks like news. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so it, you know, for people that, you can almost, you can almost watch it without the sound on and see kind of what's going on because the graphic is flashing in the side and you can see they show like they show the opinion in the graphic, you know, because they have words and they have a crayon at the, I don't know, what's it called, a crayon? What's the, what's the thing that, that runs on the bottom? It's, I do not know. It's not called, it's called, it's not called a crayon. It's, <laughs> it's called a crayon, I think. I have no idea. It but, starts with a C. Okay. Um, 
it's the thing that runs across yeah, the bottom of the screen. Yeah. It's a crawl. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's not called a crawl, but it crawls across the screen. Anyway, it, uh, I think it's called a cryon. And it, it runs across the bottom of the screen where it's like breaking news and it's like, you know, it like shows you like what what's going on in the day and stuff like that. So you have that running across the bottom of the screen. Plus, usually the thing that's next to the person talking has words on it. Plus, it's showing video. So you don't even need to hear what the person's saying, and you could figure out what's going on. So you have a lot of people sitting around, not even watching it. They just have it on in the background, and they are outraged or whatever the hell that person's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and and advertisers are making tons, or their the news is, is making the channels making tons of money because the advertisers. Are running the ads. These people are watching the ads with the sound off, mm-hmm. and they're still getting the ads. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the money's coming from, right? right. And it wasn't like that, right? And there's no delineation, right, between news and opinion, because they start a new a new story will start, but immediately then immediately after, no, 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 but then immediately before the opinion, in, but in the middle they'll start they'll, they'll start interviewing people. Oh, this you know, let's have this person on. Right. Why? Is he an expert? What kind of expert no, is he? No. But even the experts that they do have... They're cherry-picked. They, they give opinion. Well, first of all, they're cherry-picked, but they also give opinions outside of their area of expertise. Yeah. Or they'll give... They'll give opinions that are... That are outside of the scientific opinion of the, of the field, too. Now, look, I've given opinions sitting on psychology, which is technically outside of my area of expertise... But I have not, I don't think that I've given any opinion that's so far outlandish, like that the way should be abolished because it's, you know, it's a test that, that has, uh, you know, that's, that's written by, you know, like, you just think about the most outlandish thing that I could possibly say about that. But I haven't done that. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've levied a, what I think is a legitimate criticism of it. Yeah. You know, um, but it's not it's not ridiculously outlandish. But you hear, like for instance, some of these psychiatrists that come on these news stations, and they say things that are like, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's beyond anything you think that any like normal psychiatrist would say. Um, it's certainly anything beyond that with anything I would say on TV, and I've been on TV. I know. <laughs> My claim to fame is that uh, I was on CNBC. Um, and actually, I talked outside of my area of expertise, the stock market. But it was a hobby. But it's a hobby. And I think it is sh- a hobby, yeah. Right. And you were picked. But, uh, but I was specifically because, because not I was not an expert. Because, you're a lay person because I was a lay person investor. But okay. they put me up there as a psychiatrist. But they didn't put me up because I was a psychiatrist. They put me up because I was a lay investor. Right. You just and, happened to and, be a psychiatrist. And I think I made the worst market call in the history of market calls. But in fairness, I did have a suit and tie on, just like everyone else. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just awful call. Just the worst. I, I said that we were in a bear market. And we're in the middle of the biggest bull market in the history of the market. It's just awful. Wow. Wow. So right, but, and but thinking anyway, of, but, and thinking about that, it's, it's, I mean, it, it happened, it, and it, yeah. what? But 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 again, I was I was put on there as purposely because I was not an expert. 
uh-huh. on that field. But these guys are put on there as experts in their field. Uh-huh. And will still say outlandish things, right. and they're put on there as news. They're put on there to give specifically to give these opinions, you know. And and it's not like you know. I'm I'm. We've had these debates in our in our conferences about whether professionals should go on these news organizations and give opinions about things like this. And I'm of the mind that we should. But, but we should do it, you know, I was going to say correctly, but correctly is an opinion. Judiciously? Um, you know, I think we should do it, yeah, judiciously is probably a better term. Carefully. Carefully. <laughs> you know, um, the last time I was at Apple, which is, um, which is an, an outstanding conference, Apple is not the fruit and it's not the... Tech. tech company, even though the ticker symbol AAPL is the same abbreviation for the organization AAPL, it's the American Academy of Psychiatry and Law. It is a fabulous conference, and I look forward to it every year. It's in October, and I can't wait for it this year. And I really hope it's not canceled. Um, but the it was either last year or the year before that. Um, we had a debate about. Um, this exact thing in one of the, the the panels about verbiage and word meanings and things like that and I actually got up there um, which is very non-like me <laughs> to but you know it's you know the spirit moved me <laughs> because they were they were talking about you know this kind of stuff and like what words meant and stuff like that and they were like you know truth means truth and I and I have a, I have this in me to be like a rabble rouser, I guess is the term. Just kind of a person that throws stuff into uh, the ring. You're and really bringing up just old-timey old, old terms. That I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what that word means? No, but whatever. It's, it's, it's like an old term for a troll. Okay. Like someone that just okay. you know, throws stuff. I know troll. In, yeah. It's an old term for a troll. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm going to rabble rouse and I'm going to get everyone riled up, see? <laughs> um, so I have this thing in me where, like, if I see an opportunity like that, I'm going to go and do that. But I wasn't doing it to troll. I was doing it as an honest, an, an honest question to – it was about social media and truth and stuff like that because I wanted to bring this up because uh, – what was it? 10 years ago or 11 years ago I went to an old friend's house and I was speaking to her husband and he and I we were talking about truth and he told me isn't truth just what you make it up isn't truth just what you believe it to be and I turned to her because I always thought she was a very reasonable person I'd known her for years uh, 20 25 years um, you know her too okay. but we're gonna we're gonna All exclude right. names yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I always thought she was a very reasonable person and I looked at her and I'm like is this guy serious right now and she kind of shrugged and threw up her arms like I don't know and it just it struck me that was the first time it ever hit me that people could actually like not understand what like just make up word, make up make up definitions for words themselves because I always thought words had definitions 
Mm-hmm. Like they would just, this is what words meant. And there were other definitions for words. And we all agreed that this is what words meant. And we were all in agreement. And that's the first time it struck me that people made up different definitions for words. And it was so shocking to me that it just completely changed my view of things. And ever since then, I've been on the lookout for these kinds of changes. And that's when I've noticed everything kind of, you know, I guess we've gone into the darkest timeline ever Mm -hmm. since then. And now we're in the darkest timeline. And so I went up there because they were talking about what truth, you know, well, this is the truth and we should go talk about the truth and the psychiatrist should really talk, speak the truth and stuff like that. And I went up there and I said, you know, there are people that, that, that where truth is, uh, is not what you guys think it is. And I got that same look that I got, you know, when I tell people that I don't, that I don't watch 24 hour networks. They all kind of cock their heads to the side, and I'm, and they're like, "Well, you know, truth is truth." And I, and I looked at what well, someone in the crowd said, well, "Truth is just truth. It's what it is." And I turned and I said, "You know, there's some people that believe truth is personal." And Neil deGrasse Tyson said that there's truth and then there's personal truth. But he has that saying. He actually does have that saying where there's personal truth and then there's truth, truth. And she looked at me again, like to the side and she's like, I don't know what you mean. Truth is just what it is. It's facts, it's truth. And I'm like, you realize that there are people in the world that believe that truth is whatever they believe it to be. And there's no amount of coaxing that will make them think that that's different. And there's people just freaked out on me. (laughs) They were just, it was a ruckus. For for a good two minutes, there was there was uh, talking and you know the the crowd. You could hear the crowd talking to each other, and so I went back to the panel and I you know I asked the social media question, um, you know about what they would say to the heads of social media. But essentially, I kind of blew people's mind that that people use definitions, and so these kinds of things, the words matter, and and you know in news that's true, and you're right getting back to this tangent that we went off on. Just don't call it news. Well, even before that, we went on like this tangent off of that about how corporations and... Right, and and that's just... For profit corporations. And and that's just one industry. And the other two industries, I mean, I think we've talked about it and maybe you and I disagree about some things, but medicine. And when I say profit and corporate profit, those are two different things. I, as a healthcare professional, I absolutely think that healthcare professionals should be able to profit and make a good living from from our industry. But corporate profit is different. Well, people are going to say, well, what's the difference? (laughs) Because like... Why why should you get money, but corporations shouldn't? And that that was the big thing in the 80s and 70s. Because of morality. Because a corporate... A corporation, a person, you and I, as an individual practitioner, have the ability to do things that are both legal and ethical. A corporation, and this is not necessarily original thinking for me, it's also coming from the book (laughs) that I'm reading now, which is Behave. Um, One of the things that you talked about is a corporation 
most of the time cannot get away with illegal things. Illegal things. Illegal are... things cannot, but it can certainly get away with unethical things. Okay. Because when you have a board of directors governing a corporation, it, everything gets lost because it's not one person making that decision and you diffuse the responsibility. Okay. And there's been so much research in psychology about diffusion of responsibility and when you're not the one when you're not the one pressing the button, when you don't know who's pressing the button because there's so many people involved. So you you know, you you take away that responsibility. So corporations have a much bigger chance to act unethically, whereas an individual practitioner does not because you know that you're responsible for every decision that you're making. So you have less ability to, um, to take advantage of, of a patient. And I don't mean, you know, it, it take advantage in any, in any way that, that, that you can conceive of. Okay. But corporations and, do illegal things too. Oh, but I don't care. I'm not talking about legality or, or, or not. That's not even... That, that's not my concern. The, the concern is, is the ethics, ethics. part. But, and that's why corporations... But practitioners do unethical things too. But it's harder for them. It's harder for them to do that. Because they're individuals? Yes. And, and the sense of responsibility. I'd, I'd agree with that on a bigger level, that it's harder, it's hard, it's easier for a group of people to diffuse responsibility than for an individual, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean an individual can't act unethically. And I think there's enough research to show that people act unethically too. Yeah. But, individual people act but, unethically. But when corporations take, when for-profit corporations take control of medicine, of, of healthcare, I think you just end up with more... Well, because they, suffering. well, that's on, that's, that may not be because they're unethical necessarily, but because they have different, um, they have different, um, goals. Their goal is not to take care of people. Their goal is to make money and reward shareholders. So mm-hmm. the person that they're trying to take care of is not their goal. Exactly. Whereas a exactly. practitioner's so theoretically, their goal exactly. is to take care of the person. Exactly. The money that they get from that is... Is the, is, it's not secondary. It's it's just the it's the fee for the service that they get for taking care of that person. But purely from a financial standpoint, when you compare corporations getting paid for something versus doctors getting paid for something or nurses or something, mm-hmm. if a corporation get paid, they're getting paid to make money. Mm-hmm. They're not getting paid to take care of things. Right. Okay. And they they have other people to to, to make money for. The doctors are getting paid to, for themselves, mm-hmm. and they're getting paid to take care of that person that paid them. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the doctor has ethical responsibility beyond the money. So if they, if they don't get paid, they still have to take care of that person, and they should. Mm-hmm. Okay? But, but the financial responsibility is just a service they get paid for. Yeah. And even if they get underpaid for it, they should take care of that. But that's the difference, is the, the corporation has different goals and I think that's what you're trying to right. trying to get and to. I think it's easier for people for patients the people that are seeking care to get mistreated whether purposefully or just as a result of 
different goals of, of the corporation well, that that's not their priority. Well, the problem is if they if the corporation starts to take over decision making, that's the problem. But the way things work now is that the corporations don't don't take over decision making officially. Is that they they take over decision making uh, without taking over decision making? Is that they reject things, but then they say it's not our it's not us doing the rejecting. No, but right, but I mean, like also when you know when for profit companies take over things that are that were traditionally government run. Not not that that's great because there's so much bureaucracy and need, needless hierarchies and all of that. But when they take it over, the way that they're running it is to make a profit. And there's certain populations are vulnerable populations that you cannot be making a profit from, that they need good care and service. Well, there are other industries. Regardless. That, yeah. And there are other industries that are like that. And by the way, the Supreme Court has ruled that Corporations are people now, so in theory, um, they are also now unable to make unethical, unethical decisions because they too are now people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just pointing that out. I'm just pointing that out because you know we have to point that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have no comment on that, of course. No, no, no comment. Um, there are other there are other industries that you know when they're run for profit or not. Like politics, for instance, is another one. Yeah, but I think there's less ability. There's less collateral damage. In politics? Seriously? Wow, man. There's huge collateral damage in politics. Those are the people who make the laws. If they run, if, if politicians run for business, that's that's all they're going to do is collateral damage, because all they do is they run they run laws for the people that pay them. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's yeah. true. But I think, but that's medicine, I guess, politics, news, um, food, judicial system. Oh, prisons. 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 Jails. Prisons. Yeah, I mean prisons. Yeah. Prisons, um, to a lesser degree, um, food. Although, look, you have to have you have to have some you have to have some profit somewhere oh, in no, a capitalist no. I, system. No, I, and and have, I am I am I am a full blown capitalist of in every have, way. Of course, you so, can have profit, but profit <clears throat> to the wow. in, to the individuals more so than to the corporation. So for so no matter what work you do, yes, you sh- of course you should be able to to make a profit and, and to make a good living depending you know on, on your on your education on, on your level of expertise. But I guess I guess what Somebody I'm has to, say, to sell something. Though. I know, but what I'm trying to say, at least for for medicine, is to try to, pre- you know, somebody has to sell not- you socks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. There's some industries that have a higher tolerance for corruption, and some that have a lower tolerance for corruption, or should have. And the ones that have the lower tolerance for corruption are the ones where that serve vulnerable people. 
And we've identified those as... Well, medicine, because because vulnerable in terms of, okay, like, you, you know, you're at that moment, you're seeking help. So at that moment, you're you're vulnerable. You're not vulnerable in general, but at that moment, you know, you're not feeling good. You're sick. You need help. You need surgery. You need, you know, mental health care, whatever, whatever it is. And then, of course, prison, because that is the ultimate vulnerable population. I know a lot of people don't see... A lot of people are not going to just they're not going to agree with don't that. Don't see prisoners as they're a vulnerable gonna, population, but they that. certainly are a vulnerable population. People are not going to agree with that. Yeah. Well, think, you know, keeping in mind that some of our country's jails are the biggest mental health facilities in the country. I think like the LA jail is the largest actual mental health facility. In Ca- yeah, you, that's not you know that's I mean? not incorrect. Because, I mean, I worked in a pr- I worked in a prison for three for three months, and there people, was a lot of that, mental that, health yes. issues there. So, so, so that's keeping, not that's keeping, not incorrect. Keeping right? that in mind, it is a vulnerable population, and you know they 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 need care. Yeah, I mean, they could they could still run it for profit if they just instituted, um, you know, mental health care. You know, and you know there are there are for profit mental health care companies that work for prisons, that work with prisons, uh-huh. and I don't know anything about them. Uh-huh. Um, the one that I worked for was a state facility. So and the thing about state facilities is they're beholden to the state and the state's budget, uh-huh. and they're not, that one was not a for profit. Well, if it's society. private, it's probably it wasn't a for profit. It was private. It was a state facility. Then, ha- then what it was managed? It was by... managed by the state. Okay, so it wasn't for profit at all. It wasn't all. for it was profit. Com- it, was it was completely completely a, state, a run. state run. Okay. So they were, but but that doesn't mean that it was run very well. No, so right. just because it was just because it's for profit oh, or non for profit doesn't mean it's going to be run that much better. You know, for profit facilities claim that they are run so much better, and I don't know because I've never worked in one. Well, I have. Oh yeah, that's true. You have. <laughs> <laughs> and they have their challenges. I mean, they have. Well, no, that's not true. I did work in one, but it wasn't a, a prison. It was a forensic mental health facility. Um, actually, no, I take that back. It wasn't for profit. It was a county-run facility. Right. It was a state-run facility. Um, you know, actually, that one was run pretty well. But, and actually, it was very beautiful, to be honest with you. It was brand new. Beauty has nothing to do with it. What? Yes, no, I understand. The aesthetic, the aesthetics yes, are not the, fa- the facility that I worked at was also very nice. Yeah. It was a nice it, campus. It was a nice campus. It was nicely laid out. Yeah. But... You know what? What I'm talking about is, is um, you know, support for 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 staff everywhere. You know, anywhere between the, the you know the staff that is the least paid to the staff that is most paid. That the support from administration is not always there and. Yeah, and that gets back to the point of you know when you run for profit, you run. But then, for, right, and then who suffers? In the end, who who is suffering? It's usually the most vulnerable population, and it's always the patients. The patients are always the ones that 
are suffering because of mismanagement. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's sort of the uh, that's sort of the predicament that we're in because you know we as a society have have chosen to reward profit mm-hmm. because a lot of those companies are public mm-hmm. and when they trade shares they reward shareholders mm-hmm. and that's how that's where they have to focus their attention is what their share what their profits uh, what their share prices and whether or not you know their stock is going up and their quarterly profits and they have to do uh, you know quarterly conference calls and make sure that you know their analysts are happy and and you know if they don't meet expectations their stock suffers and uh-huh. you know especially in the prison population who's going to get who's going to get the shaft when that happens uh-huh. right but government has has allowed that because they've sold the prisons to them of course and the mental health facilities and and you know well they don't typically it's a hybrid model I think so it's state funded but corporate run is this part of all this all part of your book no Oh, okay. No, that no. So, what was part of your book? The morality part that diffused responsibility and morality, um, and yeah. Okay, because I'm like, wow, this, that's that's why this book is like 900 pages long. <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> what page are you on? I don't know, 500 or something, 600. Or How something. long have you been reading this thing? Months. I <laughs> think since the quarantine. <laughs> no. no. I blew through my book in like three weeks. It's like three hundred. It's like two hundred pages. It's not two hundred pages. It's four hundred pages. It's like big words. It, <laughs> big wow. print. Wow. Big print. I need. Wow. Wow. I get no credit here. Wow. No credit. Wow. No, there's there's some books that I can, but I'm trying to pay attention wow. as I'm reading, right? So I'm trying to be mindful and trying to be present. I'm trying to take everything in. I I took everything in in that book. So you're done with it? Just about. Okay. But that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in is serial killers and Wow, that was a hell of a sigh right there. Wow. Yeah, because you know, that's what I did my residency stuff on is serial killers and confessions and things like that. Because that's the kind of stuff I'm interested in. So, but it was also about architecture. Uh-huh. You know, maybe I, maybe my sister should read it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, she's actually interested in that stuff too, so not just the, the architecture part. Right. But I'm interested in history and you know, murderers and the psychology of murderers and it's just kind of the thing I'm in. I'm uh-huh. into. But okay. okay. Wow. You're not in it. No, no, I'm not in it. No, I'm not in it. No, I'm not into that lifestyle. No. And besides, the stuff that that dude got away with back in 1890 is it's there's no chance that anybody would be able to get away with that stuff now. Like literally no chance. I mean, people would disappear in this guy's hotel, and like no one would bat an eyelash. And he'd just be like, oh, yeah, she went to Kansas City. 
to be with her grandparents. And they're like, all right. And they're like, oh yeah, and that one went to Europe. And she's never going to, you know, like, she's, she said, don't bother her. Okay, and, and, and that one went to California. Like, all these women just, you know, up and left and left all their stuff. Just went to another city. I, I like the most fascinating thing of this book is not that this guy got away with two hundred murders, or that this fair, this giant fair, was built. Um, you know, in two years with these huge buildings, all that stuff is super fascinating. The, the most fascinating thing about this book is the way people traveled and the way people communicated compared to the way we do it now. Like we take things for granted. Like you would not believe the idea that I can text another human being on another side of the planet in literally a millisecond and have a video call with them like whenever I feel like it, like right now, because I want to. And these people are writing letters, like physically sitting down at a table yeah, with a nice. pen I like it. and and penning a letter and then mailing it uh-huh. like in the mail uh-huh. and then they would wait yeah. until that letter got delivered and then the other person sat down and wrote another letter uh-huh. <laughs> yes. and put that one in the mail and then they got that back uh-huh. and then they would wait for that they would wait for that and and that that is how these people lived and it's just, it's one of these things, and I'm old enough to remember doing that. Like when I was in college, waiting for a letter from someone in the, in the summer. And this is right around the time when the internet just started kind of getting to be like what it, just starting out. Uh-huh. And I still would get letters. Uh-huh. I love getting letters, by the way. Like that were handwritten. Yes, handwritten. Handwritten I love, letters. I love handwritten, handwritten letters. letters. Yes. You know, when the mail took like two days to uh-huh. get to you. Yeah. And how, how long did the mail take then? Like he didn't even weeks, say, but like... Months. and And, you know, people would like walk places. Like, you know, just walk. Oh, people still walk. That's not a... They don't walk. They get in a car or they take an no. Uber. No, it depends where you are. No, people depends. don't walk anymore. Of course they do. They it depends where you are in the country. Not like them. Like... There was a there was a story that a woman walked thirteen hundred miles to go to this fair, thirteen hundred miles. Like how is that even possible? Like down railroad tracks, she walked along railroad tracks to go to this fair. Like I'm thinking thirteen hundred miles. Like how long is that? That's like a few days. She or, walked yeah. 1,300 miles. Like, like, people won't even walk 10 minutes down the street to get a sandwich. I don't know. They get it delivered. I don't know. By Uber Eats and delivery dudes. Like, and this woman walked to go see a fair. <laughs> like, this is the kind of, like, you know, they, they would send telegraphs and they would take grip cars. And it's it's the history that I'm more interested in rather than... The fact that this guy would lock people in a vault and let them suffocate, which is terrible, but I'm much more interested in how people communicated and the old-timey way they talked. You know, I, I would think that if someone in our time would go, like a Connecticut Yankee, or that Mark Twain book, did you read that? Nope. 
You never read that Connecticut no. Yankee in King Arthur's Court? No. It's my one of my favorite books as a kid. Oh. Okay. It's a time travel book. All right. It's uh I'm not like a sci-fi person, but <sighs> Wow, man. Who knew Mark Twain was a sci-fi writer, right? There's a guy, I don't even remember how he went back in time, but he I don't remember, but he went back to he was at Mark Twain's time and went back in time to King Arthur's time. And he was like, it, to that time, he was like, he was like, wow, you're like a, like a scientist or something. Like, you imagine one of our people taking like an iPhone back to their time, he would be like a witch. Uh-huh. You know, but I, my, what I think is that if someone in our time went back then, he wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They would be completely lost. So it's not that they would be like, oh, look at all these things that I know. They would be completely lost. They wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They wouldn't know how to write. They wouldn't know what a letter was. What are you talking about? Everyone knows what a letter is. It's just a You think a 20-year-old knows what a letter yes. is? Yes. All they're doing is texting. They're texting with their fingers. Yes, but they know how to write. A letter and mail it? Oh, my God. Are you serious right now? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to ask our children. Our children definitely know how to write a letter. And mail it? He Okay. Might. I will I will I will take that back if if our if if our children Well, just one child. If if one child really. if one child knows how to how to write how to write a letter and mail it. And um I mean, he may not know about stamps. I'll give him a break on that. But if he knows how to put it in an envelope and knows what the post office does with it, then I will grant that. Well, we could ask him how how letters, how mail works, and see what. Because I'm willing to bet that I'm willing to bet that I'm willing to bet that a teenager doesn't know how to mail a letter. I'm willing to bet that. That may be wrong, and I'll lose money. But I'm willing to bet that because they would never, they would never ever have to. Everything is text now. Mm-hmm. Email. Whatever. Email, text. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I would. Yeah, I would. I would be willing to bet that. Now I could be completely wrong, and I, you know, you're laughing at me like I'm an idiot, <laughs> which is actually very common in this house. But. Um, Wow, yeah. we, we've covered some ground today, haven't we? A little bit, yeah. But I mean, listen, we talk about this stuff all the time, so we can... Now we just put it on... Uh, go on. Now we just Forever. Put it on. I mean, you know, sometimes our most interesting conversations are more... Um, like, they're, they're not scripted, obviously. They're more... Yes, this natural. wasn't scripted. No, 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 but I mean, like, just out of the blue, we'll start talking about something and it turns into something really yeah just like this interesting pretty much but yeah i don't know how interesting this was to people but i guess we'll find out we'll have to edit it i guess no no it's too long for me to sit and listen to this whole thing oh it's definitely gonna be edited edited. for sure for sure yeah we'll see but you know this was fun yeah we're gonna do this again yeah. Or is this going to be the last time that we're ever going to talk on a, on a recorded line? Maybe on a recorded line. Maybe on a recorded I don't know. line. All right. Well, 
right. So we're gonna we're gonna finish that up. Okay. Thanks uh, thanks for thanks for listening, everyone. If you've made it this far, I, uh, I applaud you. Thanks everyone.